Welcome to another episode of the Capital Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beardsley, and today we have our guest, Christian Bergman. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Cool. Well, before we dive in, let's just uh, give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself so they know who they're, talk- who they're listening to. Yeah, so um, I have been a, well, was a professional baseball player for about 10 years, pretty much played baseball my whole life before that, basically from four years old till I was realized about 31, 32. And by the time I retired and um, sort of really encapsulated around 2014, when I first got called up to the big leagues, uh, for the first time I had some money to actually do something with, because as some people may know, the minor league pay is terrible. And I make about 7,500 bucks a year. So there wasn't a whole lot you could do with that. Um, at, at least with the knowledge I had at that time. But once I finally got some money to play around with, got interested in real estate, started buying uh, single family rentals while I was still playing, relatively little upkeep and stuff, but still a little bit while I was playing because I was obviously traveling all over the country. But you know, I, I liked it better than the stock market. So it was something I could understand and I could see and touch. So I liked all that stuff. And so fast forward to by the time I decided to retire at in the middle of 2019, I always kind of had a vague idea. I wanted to do something in, in real estate actively now that I had a bunch of time. So kind of went down the flipping route at first, found out I didn't like that. Always thought I was interested in eventually moving single family stuff into multifamily. And that's around the time when I found you. The, the problem before that was I didn't understand how it was really structured. Um, I didn't I didn't know that it was generally partnerships. You had limited partners, general partners who were operating the deal. Didn't understand any of that. I thought it was big companies and you had to go from, you know, one unit to four units to eight units and continually trade up. So um, once I found your book, man, I was like, this is something I, I really want to get involved with. Very cool. So so I think there's two really interesting storylines or topics to discuss. And, and the first one being financial literacy within professional athletes. And and I know so that's something you're really passionate about. So I just want you to share a little bit about the general situation and then the problems that you see, and then maybe kind of how, like you explained already, how you were fortunate enough to kind of see things a little bit differently, but maybe talk about why you were able to see it differently and kind of you right. know, obviously the problems. Yeah. So like I said, there are a lot of issues that I can think of, which is part of the reason I'm so passionate about it, because I feel like it's stuff I can you know, help guys with. The The first issue is that there's two very different types of players. You know, you're coming up in the minor leagues and a lot of people think that, uh, that they all have lots of money because they see the news headline, they see a high school kid that signed for $8 million. Fact is, there's only one of those guys every year and it drops off pretty quickly after about the second round of the draft. Um, so when I got drafted back, I was drafted in the 24th round. I got a thousand dollars. So, you know, there's a very quick drop off. Um, so the first issue is that guys don't have, I mean, they're, they're focused on their career. They're focused on baseball, which is absolutely necessary. You have to be focused on it, but at the same time, there is a lot of downtime for travel, bus rides, all that stuff. So there aren't enough resources as it currently stands for guys to start learning about this stuff on their own. They don't even know that it exists. Again, part of the issue is they don't have any money anyway. So <laughs> if you're, what am I going to spend my time on, you know, learning about real estate, for example, real estate's expensive, you know? So it, it's overcoming that where, 
you know, I think about the amount of time it took me to get a working knowledge of financial topics in general. And again, that didn't start until I already had some money to start using. I think about if I had started that journey, maybe two years earlier, where would I be today? Who knows? So there, there's really no, there, there's no time where it's too soon to start just learning about it so that if and when you do get to that point where you've got some a meaningful amount of money you can use, you've already started the process because it, you know, you know, this as well as anybody, it, it's a process. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and so you have to continually be gaining new knowledge. So that's, that's the first piece. The second piece is players don't get great financial information as it stands. We have like a retirement account meeting once in spring training. And then typically if you have again, any meaningful amount of money, your agent, your sports agent usually has a group of financial advisors that they work with. You can choose from them, but then you, you hand it over to the financial advisor and that's the end of it. They, they don't teach you anything about it. They just go invest it. They're the experts. So, you know, my thing is that you have to start the education process, but then the reasons why that's important. And it's because I've seen lots of guys who hand their money over. They don't know what happens to it. And I've seen guys lose money to like a lot of money. I, I won't name any names, but tens of millions of dollars have been lost to shady financial advisors that I've seen personally and known personally. So um, I, I just think that the guys need to take an active interest in their financial standing. And it has to start ideally sooner rather than when you finally get some money. Right. If, if you start thinking about it, once you have the money, it's almost too late. So right. it's the hard thing to do to think about allocating capital when you don't have capital. Cool. It's definitely something interesting. I know that's something that you're going to keep on pushing on and, you know, making a more meaningful impact. And uh, I think that's going to be great for, for the community and obviously for yourself as well. Uh, so the second topic that I thought is really interesting, which you obviously could share a lot about, and I can kind of speak to a little bit as well, is the way that sports translate well over into business and life. It's maybe a little bit of a cliche topic, but not something that I hear talked about too often in our real estate investing space. But you definitely do know about the statistics that college athletes get hired to this job and that job, and they kind of end up performing well, and they know how to work in teams and things like that. So, you know, once we kind of get past those basics, maybe we can talk about some of the deeper things or some of the ways that, I mean, you've had obviously a, an unconventional career to get yourself to where you are today, uh, which is now in a business environment. But yeah, talk about your background and how that has helped you, maybe even how it's hurt you as well and where you're kind of playing catch up still. Yeah, I, I think it kind of goes both ways to your point about how business and, and sports relate and how you know a lot of college athletes get hired. Like you said, they're used to working in teams. I probably had four or 500 different teammates just in, in professional baseball. And there's really only maybe a handful that I would consider bad teammates. <laughs> As I kind of go into this other career, I'm more aware now of just how common <laughs> in the business world, a bad teammate is. And, and like in a work environment, there's not enough attention has, is paid to say how the, the workplace environment is. Whereas you know, in the sports world, like it's kind of a given where if you're a bad teammate, like people don't want to be around you and word gets out very quickly <laughs> that you're a bad teammate and pretty much, you know, 
before you know it, the whole league <laughs> knows about it. I think that's why athletes can transition so easily into business because they're they're used to that. And then the second thing that, that really stands out is as far as being able to be coached and constantly seeking new knowledge and stuff like that. Like is an athlete the second, and I'll just speak to, to baseball, but it implies to really any sport. The second you think you've got everything figured out, that's usually when you get humbled <laughs> very quickly. I can think out back on countless times in my career. I was like, I was riding a good streak. And next thing you know, you get a little arrogant, maybe a little cocky. You don't do the little things that are, that are what got you there. Next thing you know, the whole world turns around on you. And like I said, you get humbled very quickly. So I'm constantly seeking new knowledge and, and looking for people who know more than me which is really how you and I met <laughs> and uh, because, you know, I saw what you were doing. I was like, wow, I, I really like, you know, what he's doing. That's exactly what I want to do. And, you know, I don't care that you're a lot younger than I am. You, you know what, you know, way more than I do. And, uh, you know, to gain that knowledge is, and to have that, you know, humility in a way, like there are probably some people out there who, like, oh, this guy's younger than me. He, he doesn't know anything. You know, like, I think that's the most arrogant, stupidest way to go about really anything. So th those are like two things that I think, you know, closely relate to, to sport, to baseball and business. Yeah, humility is huge. And like you said, if you lack that, then it's going to preclude you from accessing certain opportunities or really, you know, missing out. You, you don't even see the opportunity. Uh, the other thing, which is similar to that, is kind of an even keel emotionally. And yeah. so I think pitchers and quarterbacks are similar in that way. And, you know, my illustrious quarterbacking career ended in high school. But from, from those days, I learned a lot about just you can't get too high and you can't get too low because good and bad happens and you have to just be cool. And I think that is a really strong lesson that certainly was imprinted on me and same thing in business and especially with with real estate which is a very transactional business there's a ton of ups and downs and good news and bad news can can completely flip a day up and up and around so i think uh, i think that's a big similarity as well so i know you uh are are, are building your your even keel cool in in real estate and i think that's something that i excel at and i think it comes from the sports yeah and uh you know, I have a bit of a working knowledge of football, but I, I would imagine that as a quarterback, if you are a roller coaster of emotions, your teammates, you're not going to be able to effectively lead them if you're constantly all over the place with your emotions. You have to be the foundational, the kind of the rock of the team. And, you know, you're the one who's guiding it in that direction. And, you know, as a, the pitcher or baseball is the only sport where the, the defense has the ball, you know, right. Right. You, you are the impetus. You, you are on defense, but you are the one who is, you know, determining the, the pace of the game and everything. So you're really like the pitcher is leading the game in a way he's commanding, you know, the, the pace and how things are going along. So if you can't manage your emotions and the pace of the game and the game speeds up on you or slows down too much and gets you out of, the rhythm where you're the, you're the most effective, that's, you know, that's where bad things start to happen. So as it relates to, to real estate, you're exactly right. Like you, you need the ability 
to be even keeled and to manage it, like you said, a wide range of, of emotions and not get too high, too low, and just stay on that, on that good trajectory. And I think an, an important piece about quarterbacking I'll just speak about is you have to take the blame, even when it's not your fault, you just have to take blame, take blame. And I've always been quick to take blame. And if you don't take responsibility for something, then you don't have the agency to then take action and, and improve the situation, right? Oh, it's not my fault or it was their responsibility. But I, I would always love to just hit a receiver right in the hands. Oh, my bad when they drop it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a joke, but but in reality though, it, it's it's very true because when when you lose, it's, it's, it's always the quarterback's fault. And when you win, it's often the quarterback gets all the praise. And so it's, it's your job to, when you win, to take all the praise that's coming your way inevitably and pass it all around and, and kick it away from yourself. And then when you lose, keep all the blame on you. And I think that's a, you know, not an easy thing to do, but, but really important and can't hurt to do that in business as well. You know, just take responsibility for it, take action. And then people love getting praise, right. Passing it around. And I'm, I was, um, I'm reading a bunch of Warren Buffett stuff and specifically his annual letters uh, going back to the sixties. And he just showers his managers with praise, right? He says, I'm, I'm the idiot. And then my managers are just crushing it. And and then I was reading a report that was analyzing Berkshire and whatnot. And, you know, one of the big things for these managers, because a lot of these managers were independently wealthy, they stayed on after the company was acquired to run the business because they just loved it, right? They cashed out, they've got hundreds of millions, maybe even a billion became billionaires, but they would stay and run these businesses. And kind of that, that praise, that public praise from Warren Buffett in the annual letter was an intangible compensation that meant way more than money. And so that's, I don't know, something interesting that pops into my head, that public praise. So I think that's really valuable. Same thing with pitching, like, you know, as a starting pitcher, which I, most of my career as a starter, usually it's your name that goes next to the winner or the loss. You're the one that gets the the records. So, uh, but same thing though, it, when we would win a game and I, I didn't even say I, because honestly, I, I don't feel like in wins, like I can't score runs, you know, I, <laughs> In a sense, I can prevent them from scoring, but the ball gets put in play, like the defense has to play well. So it, it really is the you know a, a team effort. But you know, even even in the sports world, it, it, you see more people who have have trouble taking responsibility when when things go bad. Um, I'd say that just in general is is pretty rare, but it is what sets people apart because, like you said, if you take responsibility for it, then you also have the ability to fix it and, and to change it. So if I threw a bad pitch, a guy hit a homer, like that's my fault. Even, even if like, um, even if I didn't like the pitch or the, you know, the catcher calls it like, you know, it's a conversation, but like if I threw a bad pitch and, and the catcher called it, I'm not going to blame him unless, you know, there was some, I'm not going to blame him, but if I got the feeling that he wasn't doing his job or he wasn't prepared or, you know, some other outline circumstance, but most of the time, like I'm the one who threw the pitch. He didn't throw it. These other guys didn't throw it. Like that's my problem. So anyway, yeah, I, I think there's again, a lot of, a lot of parallels between that, because if you take responsibility for it, you can learn from it and you can make sure that you don't make that mistake again in the future. And, you know, obviously that translates to, to business as well. Yeah. And you're in a way holding yourself when you do, like you said, take the rare approach of taking responsibility, you're in a way, holding yourself up to a higher standard. And by doing that, 
you know, should allow you, give you the confidence and, and, and command the respect to allow you to hold others to a similarly high standard, right? You can't hold other people to a high standard and, and demand and be demanding if, if you yourself are, are falling apart. So by, yeah. by taking blame, being on your game, um, you know, when you're dealing with whether it's partnerships or employees, you can hold them to that high standard because they can see that, that you're being a leader there, not just with your words, but with your actions. And I think that is, uh, is a great parallel from, from sports and business because, you know, it was always my goal to be first at practice, stay after everyone can see me stay after, and I'm, you know, working out and, and working with the receivers and whatnot, all that good stuff. And, uh, so you know, with my employees, you know, if I'm around them working together, I'm going to make sure that it's not a day that I'm going to end early or I'm, I'm working extra late that day or whatever it is, just, be, just to show them that, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm working, this is the standard. Yeah. You, you automatically earn their respect too, by, by doing that. You're not just, you know, some executive in an ivory tower calling the shots. Like <laughs> you're always going to have the respect of your employees and, and they're going to be, you know, dedicated to you and they'll be willing to do the extra stuff if they see you doing the extra stuff as well. Well, that is uh, pretty much all that I have to share on that topic. I don't know if there's any last words that you want to kind of, uh, kind of end with on this, on this uh, interesting topic. I mean, I, I could go on for hours about it, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep it there for now. Maybe we'll do another episode some other time. That sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and, and we'll look forward to that future episode. All right. Sounds good. Thanks.